On today's show, I'll tell you why Malik Monk will win the sixth man of the year in the NBA this season. Plus, let's try and make some sense out of this Kings Scalabissier signing, shall we? You are Locked On Kings, your daily Sacramento Kings podcast. Part of the Locked On Podcast Network, your team every day. And now, ladies and gentlemen, it is that time. Time for another episode of Locked On Kings. Hello and welcome to Locked On Kings, your podcast hub for Sacramento Kings coverage all off-season long. My name is Matt George. I have the privilege of being your host here. I'm a Sacramento sports reporter and producer at ABC10 News. And do you remember the Sacramento Kings got off to an 0-4 start last season? Like, sometimes I forget that. Like, it's hard to believe that a team that took the league by storm as much as the Sacramento Kings team, uh, as much as the Kings did, a team that ended up finishing third in the Western Conference after missing the playoffs for 16 straight seasons. It's hard to believe that that team got off to as poor of a start as the Sacramento Kings did. And I remember going through that 0-4 start. It was nothing's changed, nothing's different. Certain players were under fire. But ultimately, all it proved was that this team needed more time together, needed to come together and kind of figure out how to play with one another. And, and once they did they were able to become the beam team that we know and love and the team that ended up giving the defending champion warriors everything they could handle uh, in that opening round of the playoffs. And it's, I, I bring that up to start an episode where I'm focusing on Malik Monk as six man of the year, an individual award, because I think team consistency is actually at the center of why Malik is in the best position to win. And that, in my opinion, he will win the NBA Sixth Man of the Year award this up upcoming season. Do you remember as the Kings were getting out of that funk, getting out of that bag start, it, it was the emergence of Band-Aid Monk, right? Remember, get a little like cut or laceration. I don't, I don't even remember what happened to his face. Nobody cares what happened to his face. They just wish it happened again so that he would wear a Band-Aid all season long. And Malik had to keep it up for as long as possible. And he was red hot during that time. But that was the emergence of Malik Monk in a role that we didn't necessarily fully see coming. Now, there are aspects of what Malik Monk was doing for the Sacramento Kings during that time, coming off the bench, that volume score that we were we were hoping for and happy to see. Plus, we got to see the pairing of Fox and Monk together and a couple of lobs between the two, and, and we saw that partnership, the, the, the Kentucky backcourt reuniting in Sacramento, and that element was fun, but there was a side to Malik Monk's game that Malik says he's always had, but in his NBA career until playing for Mike Brown and playing in Sacramento, he's not been able to express himself in that way and, and, and be himself in that way on the floor. And that was with his playmaking in addition to that volume score role. And you look through his entire NBA career and maybe Malik Monk was mislabeled. Like Malik Monk coming into the league, Malik was drafted by the Charlotte Hornets as a shooter. And he absolutely is a shooter, and his three-point shooting percentage could definitely get better. Of course, that's a key factor, I think, to uh, to Monk winning sixth man of the year as well. If he can get that that three-point shooting uh, percentage back into like the high 30s, then he's in a very, very, very good spot uh, to win that award. And more importantly, the Sacramento Kings are in a very, very, very good spot as a team that's going to chuck up and put up maybe even more threes this season than they did last season, which is hard to believe. But 
Malik might have been a little mislabeled because the passing ability that he started to showcase, his floor general ability, his ability to use his skill on the offensive end as a scorer to open up opportunity for his teammates. That really started to take center stage. And actually, you go back and you look at the Kentucky backcourt, the Fox and Malik Monk backcourt that one season when Monk was the leading scorer for that team. He was doing a lot of the same things he's doing here in Sacramento. Fox was the point guard. Monk was the shooting guard, but Monk was not afraid to have the ball in his hands a lot of the time, giving Fox the opportunity to play off ball. Monk was not afraid to create for his teammates, and Monk certainly wasn't afraid to attack the rim. So that side of Malik Monk made its appearance, but his inconsistencies over the course of the year, I remember Mike Mike Brown during the Malik Monk, the Band-Aid Monk kind of craze that couple of weeks or whatever it was, Mike was lobbying for Malik to be considered for sixth man of the year. But ultimately, I think we knew by like January that he he wasn't going to win that award. And a lot of people looked at it as it was a individual consistency issue as to why others are being considered over him. In fact, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't even remember. Truth be told, I don't remember the voting for sixth man of the year. I don't know if Malik Monk got any votes. I'm sure he got some, right? Some consideration with how important he was and how good the Kings were and how he was clearly the sixth man for that team. But... My my argument for why I feel so confident that Malik will win sixth man of the year is completely rooted in consistency, but it actually starts with team consistency. Because Malik Monk is now going into his second season where, like everybody else, he's now more comfortable with this Kings team. The core has stayed together. The additions, the minor additions that the Kings have made, maybe you could argue that Sasha Vizenkov and Chris Duarte are more than minor additions, but the at least on the outside of the core or the surrounding the core, not changes to a, the core itself, those additions have certainly, we think, and definitely on paper, made the Sacramento Kings a better basketball team. But this group spending more time together, we ultimately expect will have a positive impact on everybody in this roster, certainly all the returners. But now we're going to see consistent rotations and a consistent role for Malik Monk every single night to where even though you could tell me, Hey Matt, Monk had a consistent role last season. He was that, he was that six man, that guy, the energizer bunny off the bench. That's what he was expected to do. Yes. But the players that he was playing with was not consistent and what he was asked to do at times was not consistent. Some nights the Kings needed him to be purely a score. Other times the Kings mainly needed him to facilitate. Some nights the Kings needed him to 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 push the tempo. Like it, it just it it varied. And ultimately I think where Malik is at his best is a combination of everything. To me, Malik now has a very, very clearly defined role. It's volume score, like we always known he is, with that sprinkle of playmaking. That guy that by naturally playing his game, by naturally trying to attack the basket, looking for his shot, playing on the perimeter, playing through a big man, by naturally doing that, he should and will open up opportunities for his teammates. Plus, Malik Monk is more than a viable option to push the tempo, to play fast, to get up and down the floor. And he meant uh, I mentioned playing through a big. I think that consistency is extremely important in this conversation too. I was having a conversation with Brendan Nunes about this before I recorded the pod. I, I, I was chatting with him about like the argument for why Malik Monk will win sixth man of the year. And Brendan brought this up. He's absolutely right. 
if you go back and watch Malik's film, if you go back and watch Malik's highlights from last season, some of his best passes, in fact, the majority of his best passes were one-two play between different bigs. He had a great connection with Chemezi Metu. He had a great connection at times with Alex Len. He had great moments with DeMontis Sabonis. He had great moments with Trey Lyles. I think the Kings having a consistent five, which they did not have at any point last season, having a consistent five is what might open up and unlock another level to Malik Monk's game too. Because he plays really good. He plays a really, really good and effective two-man game. And assuming Trey Lyles is that backup five, you can play a two-man game in a lot of different ways. Pick and pop, play through the perimeter, high post, low post. Trey's not afraid to put his shoulder into somebody and attack the basket with how much of a crowd and how much attention Malik Monk drops, draws going off a screen. A pick and roll can be very effective with a dump-off pass or two and an easy finish around the rim for Trey. Like Malik's passing was really showcased in his two-man game with bigs. And playing with the same big almost every single night I think is going to be a big difference. I, I put I wrote this down, and on paper it almost looks like an insult, but I mean it as a very sincere and important compliment. I put Malik Monk is De'Aaron Fox light. I don't think we're going to see Malik Monk and De'Aaron Fox play together as much as we saw last season. They absolutely can. I'm going to talk about Monk's versatility here in a little bit. And there are times where it's essential for the Kings to play Fox and Monk together because of their, uh, I mean, their chemistry with each other on the floor because of how both of them can play off of each other. But Malik Monk is the closest thing the Sacramento Kings have to De'Aaron Fox other than De'Aaron Fox, right? And Fox can't play all 48 minutes. So when Malik Monk is coming into the game, if he's going to be that secondary playmaker, if he's going to be the guy that when Fox is out, Monk is the guy running the team at the point or as that primary ball handler, you want it to be a continuation of what you're already doing. Nobody on this team can do what De'Aaron Fox does at the same level. Nobody can. Like, There's nobody in the NBA that can do what De'Aaron Fox does at the same level. That's why he's a superstar. That's why he's a star, right? But... Malik Monk can play the same way that Fox is. Malik can get downhill and attack the basket. Malik Monk can play on the perimeter, off the ball, or on the ball through a big man, whether it's with Sabonis or with another big. Malik can space the floor, arguably better than De'Aaron Fox can. Malik can push the tempo. Malik can hopefully lock in on the on-ball defense as well. That's going to be more of a question or more of a request from Mike Brown on both of them as well as the, the rest of the team. Malik Monk can handle the responsibilities of De'Aaron Fox when De'Aaron is not in the game. Not for 48 minutes, not for 35 minutes, but for the 12 to 15 minutes a night that Fox is resting, Fox is out. And in games, God forbid, there's a lot of them, but in games where Fox is not playing, where he's hurt, where he's resting, whatever the case may be, you're going to need everybody to step up on those moments, but you're going to lean heavily on Malik Monk in those games. So, yes, I want Malik to be playing with Fox a good portion of the time. And the reality is Mike Brown is going to have to play the two together in order to get Malik Monk the minutes that he deserves. Malik is going to be playing 25-plus minutes a night. He has to. He's, he's too good and too important for this Kings team. He's going to have the playing time and the minutes 
to put up the numbers and the volume that makes a six-man-of-the-year candidate. But it's how important he's going to be and how essential he's going to be to the Sacramento Kings that I think is going to separate him from the pack. The versatility of Malik Monk is so valuable. Because like I said, you can play him with Fox where he plays a primary perimeter off the ball role. You can play him with Fox to where he takes over a lot of the responsibilities bringing the ball up the floor and you give Fox some looks off the ball. Like Malik is so valuable in that you can put him in any different lineup and combination of players and there is a role that he can provide and a role that he can fill. And the consistency of that role the versatility that he brings and the amount of games where he can have a big scoring night on one end or a big assist night on the other end or both at the same time, I think that's what's really going to separate him from other six-man-of-the-year candidates. A lot of six-man-of-the-year are, are guys that just come in and, and fill up the scoring sheet, right? They're, they're guys that come in and they're, they're firecrackers and microwaves off the bench. And Malik is more than capable of doing that, and there are games where he will do that. Remember, he dropped almost 50. Fox and 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 uh, Monk dropped in the 40s in that crazy win in Los Angeles, that double overtime 170 to one, whatever it was, just unbelievable game. Like Malik can explode offensively on any given night. He's a ticking time bomb. But he doesn't have to do that every single night to win sixth man of the year. Playoff Malik Monk, I think, is more accurate to, to his King's future than regular season Malik Monk of last year. And what I mean by that is this. Malik's regular season numbers, he averaged 13 and a half points per game, shot 44% from the field, 35% for three-point range, 88% from the free throw line, averaged 3.9 assists and 2.6 rebounds a game. In the playoffs, he averaged 19 points per game, shot 41% from the field, volume was up, percentage was down. 33% from three-point range, volume was up, percentage was down, 89% from the free throw line, slightly better. 3.6 assists, which is barely less than what he was averaging during the regular season. And here's a big one, 5.4 rebounds. Gang rebounding and is going to be something that Mike Brown is going to be asking a lot of this roster no matter what. But, but here's the difference. He had averaged 13 field goal attempts in the postseason to 10 in the regular season. He averaged five three-point attempts, barely more in the playoffs than he did during the regular season, but it was five essentially. So kind of the sim, uh, a similar amount of, of three point shooting, but here's the big difference. Two free throw attempts a game during the regular season to seven in the postseason. A lot of what De'Aaron Fox is doing and will continue to do is, is get to the foul line because of how aggressively he attacks the basket. When Fox is out of the game, that's the role that Malik Monk takes over. And if Malik could get to the free throw line, I think he was the best free throw shooter on the Kings last season. He was a go-to free throw shooter. If the Kings had a technical free throw, typically it was Malik that was taking it. I'm not saying Malik Monk's going to average 19 points a game. I think Malik Monk's absolutely going to be a top four scorer. And maybe Keegan Murray emerging, hopefully more as that create his own shooting and create his own scoring score means that Malik does that less. Malik had to do that in the playoffs for the Kings to have a chance. Maybe Malik, uh, or rather Keegan emerging as that guy means Malik gets less of those opportunities or isn't needed in that way. But again, Malik is so valuable in other ways as a playmaker, as a perimeter poacher, as someone who can attack the basket and get to the foul line. 
that he's still going to be effective no matter what kind of game his teammates are having. And even no matter what kind of game he's having, because Malik can remain on the floor and be an important piece of the Kings, even on a night where he's not shooting the ball well. There are a lot of six men of the year that you can't say the same thing. Malik Monk, if he and the Kings are consistent, Malik Monk will win six man of the year. Today's episode of the Locked on Kings podcast is brought to you by Ibotta. If you're going back to school shopping, we're all doing it. Kids are already in school, believe it or not. But getting those school supplies, that kind of stuff can add up. Well, if you go back to school shopping and use Ibotta, you can earn money back on the money that you're spending. You're already doing it, so why not earn money? Ibotta gives you cash back on hundreds of grocery items from like produce to personal care to pantry goods. So you can make sure you're beating inflation no matter what you're purchasing. You can either link your loyalty account or upload your receipt after you shop and get your cash back. Check this out. The average Ibotta user earns $120 per year in free money. Cash back, that could cover the cost of an entire shopping trip. That's money you can put aside uh, towards a vacation. That's money that you can use to buy tickets to go to a Kings game. Other apps give you points that don't amount to much, and you have to use them kind of through their store, right? Ibotta gives you cash that, like I said, you can use for whatever you want. You can earn cash back on hundreds of online brands and retailers too, like Macy's, Sephora, Lowe's, Best Buy, and more. Right now, Ibotta is offering our listeners $5 for just trying Ibotta and using the code LOCKED when you register. That's L-O-C-K-E-D. Just go to the App Store, Google Play Store, download the free Ibotta app, and use code LOCKED. That's I-B-O-T-T-A in the Google Play or App Store, and use code LOCKED. If I had told you last week that the Sacramento Kings would sign a player, a former king, a former king was returning to Sacramento. I think a lot of you would have thought DeMarcus Cousins. A lot of you would have thought uh, Harry Giles. Some of you might have thought Tyreek Evans. A lot of you would have hoped Isaiah Thomas. Four names right there. Four former Kings that are currently out of a job. I don't think anybody on the planet would have guessed Scal LeVissier was the guy. And I'll, I'll be honest with you. I don't get it. Now, it's nothing to be bothered by or upset about. It's fine. It's ultimately a very, very minor move that doesn't amount to much and might not amount to anything. Essentially, as James Hamm reported, this is a Stockton Kings deal. This is a Stockton Kings signing. He was signed to an Exhibit 10 contract, or it's 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 looking like, structured like, according to James, an Exhibit 10 contract, which is essentially, it's a partially guaranteed one-year deal that allows Scalabissier to come to training camp, right? The best way to sum up an Exhibit 10 contract, at least based off my understanding, is this. It's like a tryout contract for a two-way contract. It's partially guaranteed. He comes to training camp. If he performs well, they can convert that Exhibit 10 contract into a two-way spot they have to make that decision before the regular season starts, or I believe they can just leave the contract as is, uh, and then he becomes, he's just a Stockton Kings G League player. And then if they want to bring him up, then they have to sign a different contract later, and it gets all convoluted from there. But essentially, this is a audition for Scal 
to play well enough in training camp that the Kings say, all right, there's our third two-way guy. I don't get it still. Because Scal has not played in the NBA since the 2019-2020 season. He played with the Portland Trailblazers. That part doesn't necessarily bother me because the reality is if Scal impresses enough to be a two-way guy, he's still not going to play really much in the NBA. He's going to be at, like, if he plays for the Kings, it'll be garbage time minutes. Like, so I'm not, I'm not necessarily worried about his NBA experience or how long it's been since Scal has, has played in the NBA. He played last season for Mexico City in the G League. He played nine games for them. He averaged eight points, shot 49% from the field, 16% from three-point range on around like a, a, a one attempt per game. So not a, not a good three-point shooter, not a three-point shooter, period. Shot 50% from the foul line, which is not good. Averaged six rebounds and two blocks a game. Those are not inspiring numbers at the G League level. Again, if you have an NBA caliber player playing in the G League, you want to see big numbers. You want to see the numbers that like Namias Keita was putting up or at times Keon Ellis was putting up. Namias Keita, of course, has been signed to a contract. We're hoping he makes the team. We'll see. He's, he's competing uh, competing with guys like Nerlens Noel. But like the thing is with both Keon Ellis and with... Uh, with Namias Keita and, and even Jalen Slauson to some extent. Like you can see what kind of role they would play on the main roster if they ever got to that point. It's a long shot for some of them, but if they ever get to the main roster, like Keon Ellis, perimeter defender, floor spacer, defensive wing, two-way player, you can always use guys like that. Namias Keita, seven-footer, Rim protector, rebounder, scorer and finisher around the rim, can set good screens, you'd hope. Like, again, you can see what his role would be in the main roster. Jalen Slauson, to be determined, but big, athletic, aggressive wing, actually more of a forward, who maybe can shoot, maybe can attack the basket, hopefully he's good on defense, but his size, okay, maybe he can maybe he can be something in the NBA. That's pretty much a long shot with Slauson. But Scal, he's not a center. I mean, he can play center, I guess, but he's he's 6'10". I know Sabonis isn't the biggest guy on the planet either, but but Scal is not nearly as strong as Sabonis is unless he's changed a lot over the years that we haven't seen anything from him. He can't shoot the ball at all, so he's not going to help you space the floor at all. In what scenario... Like, I can't envision Scalabissier what role and how he could fit on the Kings roster, period. In the Kings system, period. Because if you're playing Scalabissier at center, it's like playing Trey Lyles at center, except Trey Lyles spaces the floor and can shoot. Scalabissier at center, there's five other guys that you'd rather have playing that spot. Not just the obvious ones either. You'd ra- I'd rather have Nerlens Noel. I'd rather have Namias Keita. I'd rather have Alex Len. I'd rather have Trey Lyles. Hell, I'd rather have Sasha Vezinkov playing small ball five if that's the case. Like, I I don't get it. I don't see any main roster potential, which, and it's not like Scal's young either. Like, he's he's been in or around the league a while. He's 27 years old. So it's not like you're using a two-way spot potentially on a young player to 
change their game or build them into something. Why not give that spot? And again, they haven't given it to anybody. It's, it's an Exhibit 10 contract. He's trying out, essentially. So it can't hurt, I guess. But I, I don't see any scenario where he actually takes this two-way spot. He more than likely will just spend his time in Stockton and we'll see him and, and do some more talk about him on the Stockton Kings broadcasts. And that's it. Like, I I don't get it. I, I don't, I'm not mad at it. I'm, uh, Scal seemed like a cool guy. I remember everybody freaking out when Scal came in for training camp after his rookie season and he looked buffed up, right? I was like, oh, wow, look at all the weight Scal puts on. He's going to be a monster. And then, I mean, you know, he was Scal, was who he was. I don't get it. But not my money. Doesn't bother me. There's literally no risk at all to the Kings making that move. I don't expect anything of it. And in fact, I'm I'm surprised that I found this much time. I'm surprised I was able to talk about it for as much time as I've talked about it. Because to me, I, I, I just don't think it's significant. I don't think it's consequential. I don't think it's a big deal at all. But that's just me. I don't know how you're feeling about that. Let me know. If you're a fan of Scalab this year, if you understand it and want to explain it to me like I'm a dum-dum, you might be right. I might be a dum-dum. <laughs> you can reach me on Twitter at Matt George Sack. You can email me mattgeorgesports at gmail.com. Or if you're watching on YouTube, leave your thoughts in the YouTube comment section down below. So I have this idea. I think I want to start doing live Fridays where every single Friday in the morning, like 11 o'clock Pacific time or 10 o'clock Pacific time, I go live for an hour. I do a live show and I just talk to y'all. And even if there's a game that night, like we can preview the game. We can talk about a game that happened on Thursday night. I can answer questions. It's it's a game or it's a show that'll be different from all the other podcast episodes that I do. There'll be an audio version later for, for audio listeners for you to listen to. And it'll just be a live show that we just interact and talk because I don't do enough live content. I don't. I've done two live shows in the history of Locked on Kings, I think. That's not good. I want to do more. I want to interact with y'all because y'all show me so much love when I do do those live shows. Is that something you'd be... Let's try it. Let's try it tomorrow. I'm going to do a live show at 10 a.m. tomorrow, Friday, August 25th, which is my son's birthday, by the way. So I'm going to do that. And we're going to see how it goes because I would like to do every single Friday or at least once a week do a live show where I'm just interacting with y'all and that'll kind of be separate from the normal podcast episodes that I do. Is that something you're interested in? Would you be down for that? I would love to do that. I'm going to give it a try tomorrow. So I hope uh, I hope you will join me for, for that. I'm working on great guests for next week still. Uh, had to push back a little bit. My, uh, my ultimate uh, expansion draft podcast episode that I'm doing with Frankie Cardicelli and Brendan Nunez, that'll be pushed back to next week. I have more great content coming for you. Uh, so keep an eye out for that. We're almost through August, the worst month of the year. We get into September and things start to pick up a little bit. Once we get around training camp time, we'll have a lot of fun with that. So I appreciate your support as always here on Locked on Kings. You're amazing. And uh, if you could do me one last favor and go leave a review for the Locked on Kings podcast, best place to do that is on Apple Podcasts or iTunes. It takes no time at all. Hit five stars there. And then if you could write a sentence or two just about why you like the show or why I'd encourage others to listen to the show. It, it, I can't express to you how much it actually helps. People look at that. People read that. It's also a good place for constructive criticism too. Like if you want to put 
I, I hope you'd put five stars, but if you want to put four or three and say like the show needs this, or I don't like this, or I, I would prefer this, like that's fine too. I, I, that's how we grow and, and learn as well and get that kind of feedback. But um, hopefully you're putting five stars over there. That certainly helps us out <laughs> more than a, a lower rating does. But if you could do that, that would be amazing. Spotify listeners, there's no custom review system there, but you can hit five stars on Spotify as well. I think we have like a 4.9 rating on Spotify. That's amazing. So thank you so much, 4.9 out of five. Um, and then YouTube watchers, keep interacting, keep uh, subscribing, sending the, or turning the notification bell on, getting loose in the comment section down below like you always do. Uh, I, I would appreciate that. And if this live show, live Friday or live show once a week becomes a thing, they consistently be a part of that too. That helps out the show and would, uh, would mean a lot to me as well. Thank you for your support. Chime in. Let me know what you think about Malik Monk winning sixth man of the year. What you think about the Scala Bissier signing. Anything you want to talk about, it's fair game. Let's discuss it and let's get through this offseason together. Until next time, my name is Matt George. You've been listening to Locked On Kings, part of the Locked On Podcast Network.